Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Ellen Brown with us, and uh, we are talking about her latest work, Banking on the People. Ellen, will we ever get to the time where somebody goes to the bank to withdraw money and the bank says, we don't have any? Um, That did happen in the 1930s, of course, in the Great Depression. And then we got FDIC insurance. In fact, I would argue that what they should have done was strengthen the uh, postal banking system, which was a public banking system that everybody liked very much because it was so secure. And they were pulling their money out of the the commercial banks and putting it in the postal service. But what Roosevelt did instead was to grant FDIC insurance, which meant that we, the people, are guaranteeing our own money in private banks, but the private bank bankers are getting the profits. Uh, so, so that's not going to happen again because we now have FDIC protection. But the FDIC itself only has a certain a limited amount of money to cover, I think, ten trillion in deposits, or six trillion, I guess, is what's actually covered by FDIC insurance. Uh, they can borrow from the Federal Reserve. They have a credit line with the Federal Reserve. So, and which goes to $500 billion, but you can imagine that if it ever came to that, they would probably increase the credit line and the Fed can make all the money it needs to. So the, so the banks aren't unsafe in that respect. The way that they're really unsafe is that they gamble in, or they've got interlocking derivatives with some very risky players like Deutsche Bank at the moment, and you know some banks that are right on the edge. That so they've got all these cross bets going in the derivatives market, which is really just gambling. And um, so the banks themselves could, if the banks go down then it's like a big domino effect where one bank will go down and then another will go down and hedge funds will go down and, you know, big business. What a mess, right? Yeah. So you could definitely have another big crash, and many people are predicting that. How many people think, Ellen, that the Federal Reserve is attached to the U.S. government and not a private banking institution? Well, I think more and more people are coming to realize that that it's definitely got a private element. I mean, you could argue it both ways. It's the Federal Reserve Board is government. It's um, selected by the president and Congress. But uh, the Federal Reserve banks, there are 10 banks that make up the Federal Reserve, and they are all, all 100% owned by the banks in their district. And the banks actually get uh, a dividend on their or get interest, or I guess it's called the dividend, but it's 6% they get annually on their original investment. Not bad. When we get less than 1%, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, in, in terms of countries with banking systems, is there one that stands out as one of the best? Is it Switzerland, or, or where is it? I would say China. I, I mean, I'm not saying we should copy China in everything, but the Chinese banking, the Chinese government owns um, the greater, the large majority of their banking assets, 
And if they want to build something, like let's say they want to build high-speed rail, they built 12,000 miles of high-speed rail in 10 years, and all they have to do is borrow from one of their own banks. The bank then creates the money on its books, as all banks do when they make a loan. Um, Theoretically, that loan's supposed to be paid back, and it will be paid back if it's something like railroads that's that are um, earning assets to be paid back from the proceeds of the thing that's invested in. But the way the Chinese do it, um, if the thing they invested in, if it's say it's a business and the business goes bust and can't pay back the loan, they don't put the business into bankruptcy, particularly if it's government owned. But they take it over though, don't they? Well, they don't put the bank into bankruptcy either. They just allow those bad loans to stay there on the books. And because they're the regulators, they, they can do that. And it doesn't actually hurt the economy. People think it would. And we all complain that, oh, they've got all these bad loans on their books and they're going to go bankrupt. But the, the economy actually needs extra money in it because of the way our money is created. It's created as a loan. Um, the bank doesn't create the interest. They just create the principal. So over like 30 years on a mortgage, you're going to owe twice as much back as was created in the original loan. So there's never enough money in the system, in the real economy, the producer-consumer economy, to pay back the loans that create the money supply in the first place. So you need to get some extra money out there. Um, the way they did it in, like, in Sumer- ancient Sumeria in Babylonia uh, was to do periodic debt jubilees where they just forgive all the debts and, you know, start all over again. I thought they were going to do that in 2008, but I guess they didn't do it for us. No, you. the, the problem is that now the banks are privately owned and you're not going to get them to agree to that. In uh, Sumer in Babylon, the banker was the, the temple and the, and the, the gods, supposedly, you know, the, the king was the representative of the gods, and the gods owned everything. Who, who, who knows for sure who those might have been? Extraterrestrials, maybe? You never but know. Anyway, you never know. But we can't do that today. But the other alternative is to fill that gap between the available money and the debt it, with it, to fill it with some extra money, just create some money and put it out there. And that's why we could and actually need to do something like a universal basic income or all those other things we think we can't afford. We can afford them. Put some extra money out there. I mean, you can do a computer program and figure out how much how much extra money the economy can handle and then pump it out there. Not don't not as a debt, you know, don't do it. Don't run up your interest tab, which is the way we do it now, where the government spends by going further and further into debt. And soon we're going to have be paying a trillion dollars annually just on the interest, I think by something like 2027. So that's a huge cut for what? Why do we need to pay interest on money that our Federal Reserve has the power to create in the first place? Ellen, let me ask you this too about the coronavirus, because you've looked into so many health-related issues. It broke out in Wuhan, China, and there is a bioweapons lab in Wuhan. Did this thing break loose? Was somebody playing around with something? Well, it's, um, I, there's that theory, and then the other theory, you know, in China, 
there are actually news. I saw a news clip, which looked very much like our news clips, which said that it had now been established by a Chinese study, uh, Chinese researchers, that it was a bioweapon, that four proteins had been altered, and, and they were presuming that we did it. And the Russians also have, in their regular news, they are saying that we did it. We and uh, in the Middle East, I guess there are news stations that are saying the same thing. And really? We are, and we are suggesting that they did it, that it escaped from their lab, and that they were doing illegal. Something happened. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, convinced it's a bioweapon. But then the yeah. question is, who created it? And did it escape, or was it planted there? Right, exactly. So it seems to me, I mean, what I've done a ton of research in the last few days, just because it's such a heavy, heavy oh, thing it's huge. going on, even though it's not necessarily my usual line of research, I just want to know. Um, you know, Aaron Russo made a documentary called From Freedom to Fascism in 2006, and he said that uh, Nicholas... Uh, Rockefeller had befriended him and was trying to enlist him in the uh, CFR and the you know the Council whole, of Foreign Relations, yeah, yeah, the New World Order group. And uh, in the course of that, he revealed that the plan was to get everybody microchipped, and so you'd be microchipped with your financial information, among other things, and so and then you'd get rid of. There'd be no paper currencies. So or or credit like, cards, but somebody will cut it out of your hand or something. Jeez. Yeah, it'd all be digital, and it would all be, you know, imprinted right in your finger. And um, and then they could control people because they can turn off their money. You know, anybody who gets out of line, you turn That's off their right. money. That's right. Good point. What are they going to do? They can't eat. They can't get a job, et cetera. Um, so there was that, and then there was another whistleblower in 2010. There was a video made by um, Project, um, what's it called, uh, Project Avalon, the which is uh, and Project Avalon, yeah, yeah, Project Avalon, and uh, so it was a the interviewee was a, a man who was a high level bureaucrat in the city of London, which is, you know, separate from the actual city of London. It's called the city of London, it's in its, its own country, basically, and it's the financial control center of the world, or as he described it. And he said he found himself in a meeting where he thought he'd gotten invited by mistake. And uh, it was, um, you know, it was a Masonic meeting. They, they just used the Masons, really, for cover so they could have secret meetings. And it was a lot of um, public figures, well-known public figures, and they were discussing a plan that apparently they were behind schedule on. And the next thing that was supposed to happen was that um, Iran was supposed to get provoked into starting a war with Israel, and then that would be a limited nuclear war, and there was several million people would be killed, and oh, that God. would frighten all the countries into imposing police state. What's wrong with people, Ellen? What's wrong with them? I mean, why do they want so much control over everything? Because I think things you're saying are probably pretty true. Yeah. And then, then China was supposed to, we were supposed to provoke China into a nuclear, a wide, uh, you know, a global nuclear war using a, um, 
a virus, a weaponized virus that would be targeted specifically to the Chinese. And, you know, there there is evidence that there there haven't been any Caucasians that have died as far as I've seen. There's evidence that... Well, and and why is China always the spot for these diseases? SARS, everything comes out of China. I don't get it. Well, because apparently, according to these insiders, because it's growing too fast, and and they're, um, they well, so the ultimate goal of that set of insiders who were, you know, in the city of London, which is the banking control center, was to actually eliminate half the global population because there are just too many people on the planet, and then they could control the other half through these, um, through these implanted uh, chips know, chips yeah so so then the question is how do you get everybody to accept these chips well obviously a big pandemic where everybody's frightened to death and they're willing to get get the vaccines well we now actually have something called ID 2020 which is a combination of injectable microchips with your with your financial data on it injected through vaccines and they're talking about this is the way to get everybody to, um you know microchips because the ch- the chip is like the size of a grain of rice isn't it yeah and they're actually doing it in bangladesh right now and in um uh austin texas where they're the uh, homeless people are are they're chipping they're homeless chipping homeless people, people? Yeah, in order to get, that's how they can get their welfare, is that, you know, they can prove who they are through the chip. Or they track them down. Yeah, so you could just envision, and there, I mean, I've heard people say the fear is that this pandemic is so bad, you can't tell if somebody's a carrier even, they can be carrying it for a couple of weeks before they have any symptoms, and so everybody has to get the vaccines, that's what... That would be the argument, and, you know, in a police state, they can impose that on us, and then we all get chipped in. Anyway, it seems to me that it is not the Chinese government or the American government. I mean, it would be, it's just hard to envision that why would we do it in order, I mean, just for economic reasons, we're not that bloodthirsty, and why would the Chinese do it to their own people? But you can envision a deep state. A deep you know, state, a, some rogue group or something. Yes, that's maybe arguably been, you could argue they've been around for thousands of years if you want to And they could be that. testing it, testing it in China before yeah. they take it worldwide, which is apparently what it's doing on its own. Yeah, so, so the reason I even want to talk about it is it seems to me that quite likely that we'll get retaliation if the Chinese actually think we did something so horrible. And unless they know something. We need something. to let them know. We, we didn't do it either. Um, unless unless they did it by accident. They, you know, well, that's possible. But, you know, it's said that they would not put one of these bioweapons labs right in the middle of a big city. The lab that they have there is just one for, I guess, testing patients or something. But it's not one for actually creating new viruses. And well, those things they put way out in the sticks, and they're highly secretive. And, you know, only the military even knows where they are. So I've read. Big guest story today. The world braces for decline in products from China. I mean, it's killing them. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.